Hey everyone, there's drama happening at the most unlikely government institution. Plus, new legislation goes in effect for the new school year, but can schools keep up? And parents stop yelling at referees. No, I'm being serious because you'll get in trouble legally. It's time to talk about these stories and more with lead producer Dina Kespa. It's Tuesday, August 29th, 2023. I'm Rahil Ramzanli, and here's what Houston's talking about. Hey, it's Tuesday, and I've got Dina Kespa here with me. Dina, what's up? How are you? Yo, yo, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. You know what? It's a good week so far. Kids mm-hmm. are back in school. Um, <laughs> it's Tuesday, and it's going to be kind of like a short week, right? Like Labor Day is right there, and everybody's... Everybody sees it. We're almost there. So we got a nice break coming up. So I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> I know. I can almost taste it. <laughs> almost there. Almost there. I want to start with a really important question, okay? Have you ever found a stray animal here in Houston? And what did you do with it? Oh, my gosh. All the time. I think that's how I got all my pets, actually. All my cats <laughs> that I've had growing up. <laughs> One are my favorite beloved Oreo who died in 2017 after a long and loving and beautiful life was found in the parking lot of my brother's elementary school. <laughs> okay. I know. It's bizarre. We love him. My mom's also a very like cat lady. So if she sees a cat running around, you bet your dollar that she's going to wait it out, like lure it in and take it home. Oh my and gosh. So that's what we do with stray cats. <laughs> We take them, we take them to the vet, get them their shots. You know, we follow all this, like the direction that, you know, Brooke actually wrote up about in Hey Houston, about getting their shots, taking them to the vet, doing all the checkups, and also getting them neutered so that we can, you know, control the stray population. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. And that's the reason I brought this up was because one of the most stressful things to happen is when you find a stray pet, right? (laughs) Especially in a neighborhood because... You're like, is this somebody's Mm -hmm. dog? Is this somebody's cat? There's no collar on it because usually house pets don't have collars on. You're supposed to leave them on, but nobody does because it's annoying. So like (laughs) that stress of what do you do? Mm -hmm. And yeah, Brooke wrote a really good primer on what to do. So I want to bring that up and give her some love because Mm -hmm. it is so good. It kind of takes away some of that stress of finding a pet because to me, it is the most stressful thing. I'll I'll just be honest because, (laughs) yeah, because then it turns into like trying to find out it, mm, who is this, you know, who does mm. this belong to? Then you got to go True. to the vet, okay. get it scanned, the microchip. And then yeah. what happens if nobody claims it? Then what do you do? I don't want another pet in the house. <laughs> fair, fair. And <laughs> like every single shelter is overpopulated yeah. right now. They don't have room for these pets. So yeah. mm-hmm. it just turns so stressful. But I, yeah, this kind of calmed me down. You know, I was reading about this story about how 85 dogs were found in a home in Pearland. They were found like Poor, poor babies without water, no shade in this freaking heat, which is just insane to me. How, first of all, how do you fit 85 dogs in your home? Yeah, they were all outside. That's I, just, I mean, that, oh, that, that must be a huge backyard um, or not that maybe they're just on top of each other. And yeah, like, and now guess what? Pearland police, they don't know what to do with them because yeah. all 85 dogs are now in need of new homes. And oh my God. The, yeah, the Pearland Animal Shelter is pleading for public support because there's just not enough room for all these dogs anywhere. 85, 85. My mind is. Yeah, that's, that's so crazy. Many. That's insane. That's crazy. That's insane. I, I like when I find a dog, my first instinct is, okay, check the collars. If there's an address, I'm dropping the dog off to your house. That's your problem. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And if there's not one, then I'll drive around and I'll just, you know, see if somebody's looking for a dog always. And then the third one is go get the microchip and make sure, you know, if there's an address on there. And then after that, I've never had to get to step four. Like I, yeah. I've never had to call a shelter and just go drop it off. So yeah, that it, it's stressful and, you know, just be smart people. Please take care of your animals. Yeah, I agree. The one time I found a dog in the middle of the street, I brought it home, didn't have a chip or a collar or anything like that. He was super wild. He was like a puppy German shepherd. Mm. And he just like escaped our backyard and I couldn't find him. He was just like wild and in our neighborhood. And oh a neighbor picked him up and he was like, hey, is this yours? And I was like, well, yes and no. I kind of just picked him up off the road. And he was like, okay, like, well, if you don't want him, can I keep him? I was like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Your thing. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yours now. Yeah. No take backs. Exactly. <laughs> That's how it works. Uh, by the way, you can check out that whole primer that Brooke wrote right here in our show notes. Just click on the link. It's there. It's awesome. Or just go to houston.citycast.fm. Okay. Let's talk about the biggest story that caught your eye. What is it, Dina? Oh, I was reading about how there's like a set of laws that schools are going to have to follow and amend to that go into effect September 1st. Now hang tight because I want to mention just like the top ones that I read and kind of do a little breakdown. So the first one was increased penalties for vaping. That's House Bill 114. So that's going to require districts to take students from the class, place them into like, you know, quote unquote, disciplinary alternative education program. If they have one of those like e-cigs on them, vapes as they are well known or they sell them or even deliver them to someone so i'm guessing this is like rampant in high schools look when i was in high school i didn't know what these things were we didn't even have those yeah because they weren't around back then um you know you had the kids in the back who would be smoking weed under the bleachers or you know they they just go outside and do it and you'd see that every once in a while but these are so much easier to just put in your pocket get it out you take a you know quick puff and you move on with your day. But yeah, it is a rampant God. problem right now, not only in high school. I mean, across our you know society, it's a big mm-hmm. problem. But for high school students, it, there's so much research on the health impacts of this. I like this bill a lot. Like, mm. let's get it out. Let's try to limit this as, as much as possible. Yeah. And I, I hope that also it's not just completely on teachers, but also parents at home need to be like looking out at their kids, seeing what they're doing and take these away and kind of educate mm-hmm. their kids about how this is destroying your body. Yeah. I mean, it always comes out of that, right? The teachers mm-hmm. can do only so much per, yeah. you know, the eight hours a day that they have the students. It really comes down to the parents. Yeah. The next big one, and this is a huge, super controversial, but more police presence in school. This is House Bill 3 that mandates that districts have a specific like district peace officer, school resource officer, or commissioned peace officer at every school during school hours. Apparently, this is supposed to help establish more safety. I don't know. Do you think more cops in schools is the solution? If nothing else is going to change, then yeah, go ahead and put an officer there. You know what? Lock Mm. every single door. And a lot of schools are already doing this, right? Like Mm -hmm. I know the school that my daughter goes to, you can't get in without, you know, being buzzed in through two doors. Every other door is locked. They Mm -hmm. really focus on making sure that nobody can get in, right? Because you don't Mm -hmm. want some kind of shooter coming on campus. And if somebody does somehow gets through, then having a cop there is a good idea, right? Mm. Um, because maybe they can de-escalate the situation. I don't know. 
I'm just like, at this point, yes, try it, whatever, because nothing else yeah. is going to change, right? Like we're not right. going to be adjusting our gun laws anytime soon, it seems like. So right. if that means we just need to make things safer, then make it safer. Because as somebody with a child in the school system, mm. make it as safe as possible. And the problem that a lot of districts are running into, and we talked to Mia Gradney yesterday about this, mm-hmm. is there's so many openings for these officers because you know, police departments need a lot of recruits and other school districts need these officers. So everyone is finding the same pool of applicants and they're all trying to hire the same ones. So there are some other things that districts can do, right? Like they can have uh, school Mm -hmm. marshals or qualified employees serve as police officers as well. But whatever you need to do to make make it safe, make it safe. At this point, I just want a safe school. I guess we'll see how that plans out. Um, The other really big one that I feel like is super important is the potential for schools having chaplains. This is Senate Bill 763. And a chaplain essentially serves as a mental health personnel person that can provide also behavioral health services, assist in uh, certain programs like you know suicide prevention or intervention. I feel like that's really important to have because we as a country, this isn't just a Houston problem. We do not have any sort of resource or focus at all to mental health. And that is so incredibly vital in our society to have that and to have that space and have it dedicated. To me personally, I feel like this is a huge plus to have in schools. Yeah, it's a really good thing. But did you see that more than a hundred Texas chaplains issued a letter saying that this actually isn't a good thing? And they're saying that, look, it gets into the religious freedoms and rights of students, right? You want church and state separation. And the other thing they wrote was that this will take away from trained mental health professionals who are better equipped to serve students when it comes to mental health. So, um, I don't know. Like, I'm for it. That's cool. Like, let's get as many resources as we can. But now the people who are actually going to be taking these roles, they're writing and saying, actually, no, this is a bad idea. So I don't know who to listen to here. I'm confused because like my sister, who when she first worked as a nurse, worked at Bentob and she saw a lot of stuff. And she had a really amazing chaplain that served as a great resource to just talk things through, you know, dissect what she was experiencing. So she had a positive reaction to having a chaplain. Maybe it's different when you're working in a hospital in a healthcare facility. But I guess I can kind of see their, their, their side of things too. Like on the flip side, these are people who aren't going to be given professional training to require to care for people with mental health issues. Yeah. But I don't know, maybe sometimes having just a person to talk to that you feel like you can trust for a teenager might be better than, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, This is a tough one. And I think everyone agrees with that. It's just, is the chaplain the right person or is somebody who's trained in this, mm. you know, a, a mental health professional is a better resource. So that's another mm. one. Are there any other bills that are going in? Yeah, there's plenty. But the last one I, ra- I really want to bring up is House Bill 900. And this is a big one. This is the Reader Act. It's going to require libraries to rate whether or not every book they sell or have sold to the district is quote unquote, sexually explicit or sexually relevant before they can sell it, which we've seen these book bans and we've seen the tension that this has caused. And September 1st, it's going down. Yep. 
and KDISD, they've already started. They are kind of the epicenter of the book ban, right? That's what we'll just call yeah, it, the book ban the bill. Book ban. <laughs> um, so, you know, Mia talked about that as well on the episode yesterday about how Katie's mm-hmm. like, the, the way they're framing it is that, hey, this bill is going to go in effect here shortly. Mm-hmm. So we want to get ahead of it and start, you know, going through all these books and trying to figure out what can stay on the shelves and what can't, but it's turning into a big culture war. And that is the problem with this bill. So Mm -hmm. the other thing with all of these bills, Dina, is who's going to be enforcing this? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, it's going to fall to the schools to have to follow through on these. And I'm assuming that if they don't, there are going to be some sort of repercussions. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out because it is now turning into a big culture war, especially with House Bill 900. So that's going to be the big one that everyone talks about. But all the other bills you brought up, man, that's, you know, know. what's going to happen with all that? There's some good in there. There's some really good stuff in there. But, you know, let's see if it's all executed. Okay, my biggest story so far, this like blew my mind. Okay, we know that a lot of government institutions they have issues and they have drama and there's going to be turnover and there's going to be the ability to not find the right employee because nobody wants to work there because Mm -hmm. of toxic culture. But did you know this is happening at the Houston Public Library? What? (laughs) Yeah, I know. Like, it's not funny. It's not (laughs) funny that there's a toxic environment in an institution, right? That's not the funny part. But I was thinking at the library, really? Well, Maggie Gordon of Houston. Yeah. Maggie Gordon of Houston Landing has a really informative story on what's happening at HPL. The turnover rate is double than the city average. So right now it's at 26.6% while other institutions, it's about 12.4. Insane. Yeah. And then check this out. Also last year, the 400 and some employee system averaged more than two resignations per week. What? Oh, my God. Yeah. And they've had vacancies of over 100 for a long time. So they can't find people in in exit interviews. A lot of employees are saying it's just so toxic there and the whole institution is just going down. So I didn't think I'd be talking about the library system today, but here we are. (laughs) I mean, obviously, this this has got to be management that's toxic if people are leaving left and right. So then who is management answering to? Clearly, there's a huge turnover rate. This is not normal. So why is nobody saying anything? Well, now somebody is. Maggie Gordon is saying something (laughs) and shining some light on what is happening at Houston Public Library. That is wild to me that I thought like when I go into a library, I go to the Fort Bend libraries and it's you walk in, it's pretty calm. It's pretty quiet. Like nobody's talking. And maybe that's why, you know, what happens when you're up facing (laughs) forward and you can't talk, it just all builds up. And then when you go in the back. Yeah. It's just toxic. I don't know. Oh my God. I mean, it's I, crazy, Dina. I thought libraries are super chill. You know, it attracts yeah. these eccentric personalities that are really fun. But, ooh. Yep. Yikes. Some little drama to start the week. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Okay, let's get in some rapid fire. I'm going to rip through three stories and get your opinions on it. 
The GOP picked H-Town to host the 2028 Republican National Convention. Now, this is going to bring in more than 50,000 people and bring an economic impact of $200 million. Now, while Texas remains a red state, shifting demographics and narrowing GOP margins in recent years have given Democrats a degree of hope in the state. But now the biggest convention come 2028 is going to be right here in H-Town. Your thoughts on this? Oh, my goodness. Uh, You know, on the one hand, economically, great for our city. Yay. High five. Right. But I don't know. Morally, (laughs) I mean, I guess, look, having Houston at the center of really big events, this being one, a big event, let's be real. It's good. It's positive. Are there going to be people that aren't going to be happy about this? A hundred percent. Are people going to be protesting outside? A thousand percent. You can bet that so many people are going to show up and protest outside wherever they plan to have the convention because a lot of people are pissed. So um, if they think that they're going to have the convention and not have anybody outside that opposes whatever views are being set inside, that's not definitely not the case. People are going to show up, people are going to protest, and they're not going to really be happy about it. Yeah. I I like it. It doesn't bother me at all. Like Houston, we've done a good job of hosting a lot of big events. So look, there's going to be a lot of different events coming here, whether you agree with it or not. It's just looking at it as a city. We focused on hosting big events and now everyone's going to want to come here, right? Because of the hotel ability, how easy it is to be in downtown and get around just the way we host events. I mean, you look at the final fours, the Super Bowls, all that good stuff. It's just part of our city's identity now. And here's what's going to happen. People are going to be upset. People are going to come. There's Mm going to be protests. The convention's going to happen. They're going to leave and we move on. I feel like it's going to be very similar to like 2016. Remember when the Republican debate was in Houston and somebody as vocal as Trump that was saying a lot of things that were hurtful to so many people in, in the country, you know, it resulted in a lot, a lot of protests. I mean, thousands of people were outside protesting. And it. I, I feel like it's going to be remnant of that. It's going to be very similar to those images that we've seen where people are out protesting, you know, trying to get whatever views they want across. So I don't think it'll be that different from what we saw in 2016. Yep. Okay. We spend a lot of money on a lot of different classes and hobbies, whether it be workout classes, cooking classes. Would you ever pay $120 for a class to learn how to build a sandcastle in Galveston? Come on. This is pretty cool. (laughs) Emerson Schreiner runs a company called Sandy Feet, which will teach you how to build sandcastles for $120 a class. Outrageous. Come on. In this economy, $120 to build a a sandcastle? No, no, no. Let's keep the sandcastle fun for like how we were our kids. You know, you make the mold out of a little bucket or whatever and then have your kid mess it up and kick it around. Let's just keep it simple. What is this? This is so cool. I'm like all about this. I'm going to, I think I'm going to gift this to my oldest daughter because she loves building sandcastles. She'll, (laughs) she'll take all her molds there, but she's never good at it because she doesn't know how to do it correctly. I don't know how to do it. I'm not going to go on YouTube and watch the lessons. (laughs) So I think that'd be a pretty cool birthday present to learn how to build a sandcastle. Overheal. Fine. Fine. If you want to give it as a gift, fair, but (laughs) I don't know. I I find this outrageous. (laughs) Okay, the final story that I have for you is a new report is out explaining how much somebody has to make in the city of Houston 
to afford a starter home. A person needs to make $57,513 to afford a median home, which costs $271,000. Are you shocked by this number? Is this high? Is this low? This is insanely high compared to what it's been in the past. And also, where can you even get a house that costs that low in Houston anymore? Like, we just have to start accepting the fact that Houston is not how it was in the past. Like, it has changed. It is becoming super expensive and unaffordable. And honestly, I even kind of feel like this is too low. Because when you add in the cost of living and food and, like, electricity... Like that's not enough to have you cover a mortgage and all the other expenses that come with just having a house and like breathing and existing. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> so in San Antonio, the average salary is 55657 if you want to afford a starter home in Fort Worth. It's way higher at 64933 And then the highest one would be, check this out, Austin, $92,000 just to afford a starter home. God, that's insane, man. Texas as a whole is just changing. It's changing. It is so crazy. I thought that number would be way higher. 57 is really high. I thought it was going to be even higher in here in Houston, just because of how expensive things are. And again, finding a home for 271,000, like where? Sign Where? me up. Exactly. Because I can't find those. That that's that's crazy. Someone show it to me, please. And it's, it's yeah. gonna be Ricky Dink, Little Shack. <laughs> Needs so yeah, many you're gonna upgrades. have to spend a lot more just to build it back up, <laughs> right? Exactly. And, like do renovations. So yeah. I, I found that interesting. I want to bring it up. Now I've got some time with you. I want to get a gripe from you. I need something that's been bugging you. Tell me what is on your mind. Okay. Listen. I saw a post recently and it was on TikTok, of course, because like I spend so much of my very short free time on TikTok, (laughs) but it was encouraging people to stop doing this whole pay it forward thing, you know, where somebody buys your meal or coffee in a drive-thru and so you want to buy the other person and just keep it going. But they're instead encouraging people to stop doing that and instead call schools and ask to pay the outstanding balance for like any kid who has some sort of balance for school lunch. And that made made me think like, why the heck are kids still paying for school lunches? Like Mm. I know back in 2020, there was this small moment of fresh air where federal lawmakers gave schools kind of like a grant to allow kids to have school lunch for free. And that gave so many parents like peace of mind and ease that they didn't have to worry about that part because think of the embarrassment and the tie that a child might have with not being able to afford to freaking eat school lunch is just beyond me and i was looking into some of the numbers of like you know what are the balances fort bend isd alone has reported this was back in 2022 mind you so we don't even have the 2023 numbers 38,000 in negative school lunch accounts just last year alone yeah it, it's wild that COVID grant was so big, just, you know, having somebody in school during that time, it helped parents so much just talking to parents, like just having that peace of mind, like, okay, yeah, I know, like, I don't have to worry about making lunch. I don't have to worry about, you know, how are we going to pay for lunch? Of course, things were really tough during those years, right? right? Like people are losing their jobs. So it helped having that. And yeah, I don't understand why we can't just build that in. You know what, if you need to increase my taxes a little bit, because we want to be able to pay for lunch for kids who can't afford it, let's do it. Now, 
it does vary across other districts. Again, I can only speak regarding Fort Bend ISD, but they Mm -hmm. do offer a lot of programs and they do make a lot of exceptions for anybody that needs help. It seems like no matter what your income is, they will help, whether it be free or reducing that cost for lunch, they will do as much as possible, right? I mean, you think about that $38,000 and Mm -hmm. that seems like a really high number, but think about how many students are in that district. That's that's yeah. pretty good for yeah. that many students to only have $38,000 of unpaid school lunches. That's just showing that, you know, this free lunch program and reduce rate is helping a little bit. Mm-hmm. As a kid who was, you know, I was, my parents didn't have that much small business owners. We were part of the whole, like trying to sign up to get the reduced lunches and praying that we can get it even for free. It, it helps so much for a parent. Like you may not think about it. Oh, it's just $2.75 for a lunch in one day. Think about how much that adds up over time and mm-hmm. the expense of a parent who has like three kids or five kids or whatever, how many they may have. It adds up. It's a lot. It's not something small and insignificant. So my gripe is school lunches should be free across the board. Absolutely. And I just want to point out that the school tax that we pay does not go to the school child nutrition department in Fort Bend. Uh, It Mm. does go to the general fund, which is for teacher salary, school operations and stuff like that. So, you know, whatever, create a new bond. I don't know. I'm cool with it. Like, because I'm like, I'm with you, Dina. I've been there, right? Um, I don't want any kid to feel like they can't afford lunch. So Mm -hmm. That would be pretty cool. Okay, my gripe as we get back to school and sports start back up, parents, please don't be that parent. And what I mean by that is when you're at games and your child is playing and the referee or an official makes the wrong call, stop yelling at them, please, because we're already (laughs) seeing a big issue with not enough referees and officials, not only at school sanctioned events or UIL sanctioned events, but just across other leagues. So please stop being that parent because there's also new legislation that if you are going to be yelling at officials and causing a scene or trying to pick a fight with them, you will be banned for five years from UIL (laughs) events. So that means you won't be able to watch your kids play. So stop being that parent, please. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even realize that parents be doing that. Mm -hmm. It's such a big issue, not only with school sanctioned stuff, but... Like even in leagues that I play in, we can't find enough officials because officials and referees are just leaving. They're like, this isn't worth oh it. They're like, I'm only getting paid maybe 30 bucks a game here. Why am I going <laughs> to come out here, sacrifice my time? And yeah, I get paid 30 bucks. But then, is it worth it when mm. somebody's yelling at me and wants to pick a fight? No, no. It's, it's a kid's game. Calm down, y'all. Calm down. It's not that exactly. deep. And adults, we're the worst. Okay. Anybody that plays like rec league sports. Hey, guy. You're not going to make it the NFL. You're not going to make it to the MLB. You're not going to make it to the NBA. Calm down. Calm down. Referees are going to make bad calls. That's part of the game. Treat them with some respect so we can have them come back out and have officials. Like we had such a hard time just finding softball referees. You know, it was oh impossible. God, That's insane. I can't believe yeah. people are like that. Yeah, it, it's it's wild. But I like this new legislation. You know what? Let's start cleaning this up and maybe we can yeah. get more officials back into the business because... We need officials, all right? We need referees. So shout out to them. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right, Dina, that was fun. That's a good way to start the Tuesday and get things going. By the way, if you have any other stories that we might have left off, let us know. We've got information in our show notes where you can text us or email us with stories that are impacting you across the city. We'd love to know them as well. Thank you, Dina. 
Thanks, Rahil. This was fun. That was lead producer Dina Kespa. Do you want to learn more about H-Town? From restaurants to try to places to visit, we have you covered at houston.citycast.fm. Bookmark it and make it part of your daily routine. And don't forget, all of our podcasts are up there as well. That will do it for today. Thank you for listening, and I hope you learned something new. Sorry, I got a freaking... Sorry, a thing just flew in my face. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, I think it was a little gnat. Damn these gnats.